MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is doing everything they can do to help hashtag DGENs only cash big. Use promo code SGP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match up to $50. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace Per Head is offering up to six weeks free over at AcePerHead.com SGP. That's AcePerHead.com SGP. Hello, friends, degenerates, fight fans, my mom, whoever else is listening, maybe Dan's mom. Uh, welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, welcome back. I'm saying welcome back because hopefully you've all listened to our first three episodes. And if you haven't, you really missed out because we're uh, it's uh, top, top-notch entertainment here. Um, like I said, this is episode four of the Sports Gambling Podcast of uh, the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, as per usual, Jeff Fox. I cover the UFC, um, a little bit of NBA when they allow me on the sportsgamblingpodcast.com website. I also uh, run MMA-Manifesto.com. Uh, and my special sauce, my secret weapon on that website and on the podcast here um, is the man I'm about to introduce. This guy knows so much about MMA. It's it's insane. He it, he knows more about the regional scene in say Algeria than he does about his his own wife and kids. He's a horrible degenerate, horrible f- husband and father, but he knows uh, a lot about MMA. And that would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Man, I, I don't know if I can live up to to quite that hype there. Terrible husband. Knows a lot about Algerian fighters. Wow, that, yes. that's that's pretty special. <laughs> horrible father, also. Don't forget about that. Oh, oh yeah. That I, excuse me. Excuse me. Of course. <laughs> but what we aren't horrible at is, well, we're mediocre. Maybe we're upgraded from horrible is picking fights. Uh, last week we actually both made some money on our picks. Uh, shockingly, um, the event which was known when we recorded the podcast as UFC Fight Night. Blades versus Lewis. Uh, it became UFC Fight Night Smith versus Clark. Um, we did okay with their picks. Um, I ended up five for five, which isn't so hot on the surface, but I hit a big 325 dog, um, which which made me look a lot better than it actually was. So uh, based on $100 per fight, which is what a true degenerate would bet at least, I, I'm up a big 65 bucks last week. Uh Dan did a bit better. Uh, he was six and four, uh, but financially he, he didn't do better. He had one dog. He had a plus one thirty dog. Uh, he's up fifty three bucks. So overall, since we started this here journey, I'm only fifteen and sixteen on my picks. I'm still down over three hundred bucks. And Dan is a little bit better, sixteen and fifteen. Uh, he's also down about three hundred bucks. But at least we we got out of the uh, out of the red and into the black last week. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like there was a couple of them in there, too, where I, I mean, like, I feel like we, we whiffed real hard on. But there was a couple of insights, too, that I, I think we nailed pretty well, because that card wasn't a super easy one to call because it wasn't really chalky. And then, like, some of the the ones uh, that were upsets were like really surprising ones. Like, I, I thought Kai Kamaka was a sure thing on that card. As, as could be, like I had him in just about every DraftKings lineup I put together, and, and he just looked awful. <laughs> yeah, he did, and I was happy happy to see that because I had uh, I had the three uh, the the aforementioned uh, plus three twenty five dog was Jonathan Pearson. He he looked uh, he looked quite good in that fight. Yeah, I, I was, and I guess maybe we shouldn't have been surprised that he looked so good because he did look really good on the Contender series. And then he had a tough fight against Joe Lozon, like, and we're writing him off for losing to Joe Lozon. And, and maybe that's oversight, too. Like, Joe Lozon 
tagged him with a shot, which made me, you know, second guess how good his striking must be if he was getting tagged by Joe Lozon. But then again, Joe Lozon, he's tagged some people before in the past. Maybe it's it's worth noting that, you know, maybe he's not quite as bad as we think he is. Right, right. Um, hopefully you didn't just follow our advice for the main event because we both – that was one of one of our whiffs that, uh, that Dan mentioned. Anthony Smith apparently has a little bit left in the tank because he basically ran over Devin Clark, who, who did not look good. Yeah, and it's weird to me the way that it happened too. That That's probably the most shocking thing. I, I knew that there was a chance that Anthony Smith could come in and win that fight. But like the way that it happened being he got hit standing up by Devin Clark, who looked better on the feet, and then he wrestled Devin Clark, only to have Devin Clark sweep him and get subbed from the bottom. Like it, it was just such, like such a bizarre thing because – the way I drew that fight up is, is Smith hurts him on the feet and Clark wrestles him up. Like, that that seemed to be the, the strategy here, and, and it just was, like, almost the exact opposite. Yes, yeah, it just goes to show, really, not just us, no one really knows until until the bell rings and the cage door gets locked. We really don't know what's going to happen. But we can guess, we can make educated guesses, but but until the guys actually get down to it, it's, it's um, hard to say what's going to happen, especially... Um, like who would have predicted uh, Parisian and Peter Parker Porter w- would go uh, would go the distance? Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't have. Like I, I you know I first of all I picked Parisian. I do like Parker Porter being a guy from the Northeast, so I was like happy to see him win in there. But like it it was so weird because it looked like he had like a bunch of subs too, right? Like he had him in a guillotine in the second round, and I was like. Oh, that's finished. Like Parker Porter's got a pretty good sub game, and and Parisian looks absolutely gassed. This is a perfect time for a guillotine. And then just like it, it didn't end. It just kept looking like it would end in like seven different ways, like a key lock. At one time, it looked like he had him stunned, and it just kept going. Which you don't see that kind of like weird heavyweight durability over and over again. But it, I don't know. It was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it was. They're they're big sloppy looking guys but actually the technique really wasn't wasn't that bad um throughout the 15 minutes they were Parisian got a little desperate there uh throwing throwing haymakers but uh looking at the guys it's kind of harkens back to the olden tank abbott days bar brawler days but but they showed they actually actually uh had some skills in there and they somehow lasted 15 minutes without both going into cardiac arrest yeah, and I, I was really actually super impressed with Parker Porter's gas tank, too, because, like, you know, like you said, they don't look like guys who have a great gas tank in there or look like a guys who could go three rounds, but he didn't look that much worse in the third round than he did in the first. Like, I, I didn't think he looked like he slowed down a ton. Parisian looked like he slowed down quite a bit, but, like, that that was pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Big uh, in the co-main event, uh, Miguel Baeza went to 10-0. We both had uh, had him uh, picked tab to to win that fight against uh, Takashi Sato, and he got his first career submission, which he seemed very proud of. Yeah, and and he is one I think we should definitely watch out for. I think he's due for a big step up in competition. He knocks out Matt Brown, and they give him Takashi Saito, which is I, kind of weird matchmaking on my part or on their part rather in my mind. Uh, because like if you beat Matt Brown, like shouldn't you be like that? That's a big name. That that's a good moment for them to be like, okay, this kid needs a push. But I think because he's like still he was still only nine and zero, they were like, ah, oh, we'll work him up slower against a guy who, you know, in my estimation, isn't that far away from the skill set of Matt Brown anyway. They they might have worked up a little bit in the danger factor because he's got big hands. But like, yeah, it, it was weird matchmaking in the first place. I'd love to see him against the guy you know, like just outside of the top 15 now, somebody like Jake Matthews or Rocco Martin or something like that. He, he definitely deserves uh, a bigger and tougher name now. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. So it was, it was a fairly uh, decent, decent night of fights considering the main event and the co-main event were the original main event and co-main event were scrapped because of, because of some pandemic thing that's, that's going on now. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a fairly, fairly good night of fights. I'm just happy that, that we both ended up actually coming off kind of smart and, and making a little bit of money, hopefully for our listeners. Absolutely. And we're going to do it again right now. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But before we get into that, let's, let's tell you about uh, mybookie.ag. Hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. 
And if you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? But seriously, uh, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds, boosts, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know how these teams are. We know what they are capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a full-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you've ex- you'll expect to find at your local spot. We have local casino spots, really? Okay. And the best part is, my, at my bookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at my bookie. And when you do, use promo code SGP to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred, they'll match you with another one hundred in your account. Free money. Uh, if you're already planning to bet the season, this is like I said, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. All right, let's win some cash with this week's event, which, who knows? Uh, we've been recording for about 10 minutes. The main event may have changed again uh, <laughs> since we've started recording because it's uh, this event way back when, like a whole what, week and a half or two weeks ago, it was originally a UFC fight night, Till versus Hermanson. Then uh, Darren Till had to pull out, and it turned into the UFC fight night, Hermanson versus Holland, and then Kevin Holland uh, got COVID. So now we're at uh, UFC fight night, Hermanson versus Vittori. So as of, so what we're going to, we're going to rush through this recording. We're going to edit it, get it posted immediately because it's more than likely it's, it's going to change 10 times before, before Saturday rolls around, but that's, that's our pandemic life. Um, so we will, one thing you can guarantee Dan and I will always be here. We will not catch COVID. We will always come through for you with the degenerate picks, right, Dan? I hope not. <laughs> no, not out of a jinxed us. Uh, let's get started. Uh, it's, we'll start with a fight that actually we previewed, what, a, two weeks ago? Uh, it was uh, It's a bantamweight belt between Luis Smolka, Jose Alberto Quinones. Um, it was scrapped. Um, one of them got COVID, right, Dan? Uh, yeah, I believe Smolka pulled out with COVID, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Okay, right. So Smolka and Quinones, like I said, a bantamweight, 135-pound fight. Um, Smolka is the minus-130 favorite now. Um, they're both generally basically this, the same uh, same size when we're looking at the stats. Smolka's an inch taller. Quinones has uh, got an inch of reach on him. Smolka's a year younger. So basically the, the, the bios, um, they're basically very similar, uh, same size, the same age, basically. Uh, Quinones has striking and grappling stats in his favor. He's only won one of his last three fights, and he is a plus 110 dog. I believe I took him originally, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to, I'm going to take the dog in this one again. Well, I'm actually going to switch. This is crazy, but okay. I, I, I had Smolka, I remember, in my original picks. And, and I went back, and I, I was watching fights of theirs afterwards. And the thing that stuck out to me is I, I think so often I thought of Quinones as a guy who who just boxes really well, which I I still think he is. I still think he boxes really well. But I went back and I looked, and he actually has a pretty impressive takedown game that I, I sort of forgot about. And like he took down Nathaniel Wood, and, and he did so, and it looked pretty easy for him to take down Nathaniel Wood. He took down Taruta Ishihara. He took down Carlos Atuain. Like he's a pretty good grappler here, and and I sort of forgot that. Because the thing about Smolka is, is both of his last two losses are coming by submission. And if you look back at his losses before the UFC let him go, too, like, he lost by getting taken down by Tim Elliott 12 times, or Ray Borg 4 times, or, you know, even Matthews uh, Nicolau 3 times. Like, he's a guy who gets taken down quite a bit, doesn't have a great takedown defense. So I'm actually going to switch to Quinones in a grappling sense. I actually think Quinones is going to be the better grappler here. So even if he's not having his way on the feet, I think he's got a path to victory there. Right. Checking out the stats, uh, Quinones hits uh, over two and a half takedowns uh, per 15 minute fight. Um, not the most accurate four or five percent, uh, 50% defense, but uh, both those numbers trump what, what Smoka puts up on the board. His, his uh, defense is only 30%. So he's, it's pretty porous. So, um, 
there is there's a good chance that if Quinones wants to get the the fight on the on the mat, he's going to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know originally I thought he had the the advantage on the feet, which I still kind of stick to. And so if he's got the advantage on the feet and has the option to take it to the ground, I, I don't see how you don't pick him. All right, there you go. Um, both of us taking some plus money to start off, which is a, which is a nice way to start off the night. Um, moving on to the next fight. This is um, as of now. This is the the scheduled order of bouts, but but things will change right up to the the minute the uh, the event starts. So um, we got lightweights: Gab- Gabriel Mugli Benitez versus Justin James. Um, once again, um, actually Benitez, I was going to say they're they're similar sizes, but Benitez is is a little bit bigger. He's he's got an inch of height, three inches of reach, on his uh, one year younger opponent. Um, he's he's also far more experienced. He's five and four in the UFC. Uh, Jane's is one and one um, after dropping his his last fight. Uh, Benitez is on a bit of a slump. He's dropped his last two. Um, striking stats are pretty even, at least category-wise for the two, uh, but Benitez has the, the grappling advantage. He also is the favorite, minus 195 to James, plus 160. Um, I'm going with Moogly. Um, I think he's better, plus uh, same Moogly is fun. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Benitez, too. I, I think just from my standpoint, I really like Justin James. I think he's a fun guy. And, and the knockout of Fred Camacho – Obviously built a lot of stock in a lot of people's minds, but like when you look at his his overall record, you know there are some question marks about whether or not his the wrestling that he does have. And he does have a fair amount of wrestling. He grew up a wrestler. That's that's what he did growing up. Like his wrestling still has some question marks. He hasn't really wrestled anybody who I think can stop him. And when you're looking at somebody like Benitez, I think Benitez can probably stop him. So if, if we look at this fight as a fight on the feet. Yeah, we're a little bit worried about Benitez lately for the two-fight losing streak, but those losses are to Sadiq Youssef and Omar Morales, who are both absolute killers on the feet. And if you look at how he did against somebody like Jason Knight, who is, you know, kind of got that same grappler sense, right? Like, he's got some good wrestling, decent on the feet. Benitez took it to him, and I actually think that this is a great situation for Benitez to do a similar thing. Um, is to just take it to a guy who's probably going to want to trade with him, throw big bombs in there, and, and I think Benitez is more likely to land that big bomb. Boring. Dan and I are the same again. And I, I actually, he's Mowgli. I, I was calling him Mowgli. He's Mowgli. Is he? Is he not? I think it's Mowgli. Like, like. Is Mowgli? Like, okay. like from, like from the the Jungle Book, Mowgli. Okay. All right, all right. And yeah, M O G G L Y. And I I still um Justin James is called the Guitar Hero, which is which is an okay nickname also. But <laughs> but regardless, we're both going with uh both going with Benitez in this one. Um another little guy fight. Um this we got Featherweights, uh Ilya Tapuria and uh, Damon Jackson. Um Jackson has got the craziest UFC record you're ever going to see. One win. One loss, one draw, one no contest. So he's got basically one of everything, which I think is the only time I've ever seen this. The 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 guy's stuff in the stat sheet, that's for sure. Um, he picked up, uh, he got the one in the win column his last fight. Um, he's uh, much larger than, than his opponent this week, uh, four inches of height, two inches of reach. Uh, but he will be coming into this fight as the underdog, plus 170, um, because his opponent is a perfect 9-0 and Um in in MMA professionally, uh, he won his UFC debut. Much younger than Jackson, nine years younger. Um, small sample size as to the stats, but he does have striking and grappling stats in his favor. He also has the bookie in his favor at minus 210. Who you got, Daniel? I'm going to go with Damon Jackson on this one. He's an underdog I like in this fight a lot because, you know, you mentioned the height and reach advantage for, for Jackson. These guys are both guys who have relied on the wrestling quite a bit in their career, right? Damon Jackson, great wrestler. And if you look at Tapuria's UFC debut, like he wrestled up uh, Yusuf Zalal quite a bit. He, he got five out of his, his nine takedowns, and he went for sub-attempt after sub-attempt. There was only tw- you know 30 significant f- strikes thrown in that whole fight. So I think that you know he's going to still want to lean on that, and with Jackson being, first of all, a great counter wrestler, he submitted Mirsad Bechtik with with a guillotine choke, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so like he's a great great guy to look for subs off of other people's takedown attempts, um, and he also stuffs a, a fair amount of uh, takedown attempts. So 
you know, given that fact, I actually think that Jackson is probably the guy who's going to want to keep this on the feet and that length and reach that you talked about at the top is going to be the difference maker. He fights with that length quite well. And he's of course got my favorite X factor in his corner, which is save solid. Right. Yes. You can't, uh, you can't go wrong with, with, uh, him as him as the coach. That's for sure. Um, he does have a big 35% takedown defense. Um, you think that's going to be good enough, do you? So the thing about the 75% takedown defense, too, is remember that this is also factoring in his fights from 2014, 15, and 16, because his first stint in the UFC ended with a majority decision draw against Levon Makashvili all the way back in, in 2016. He's been out for four years since then. And, and if you look at, you know, he gave up two takedowns to Makashvili. And then if you go the year before that, he lost. Well, he actually had a no contest against Hani Jason. It was a, a triangle choke loss that got overturned. Uh, again, like th- those are the types of fights that are getting factored into these scores. And yeah, then then he gave up takedowns to Mirzad Bechtik. And if you look at Mirzad Bechtik, you know, his takedowns. The dude's a monster, right? Like, the dude has been taking people down over and over and over again. He took down Dan Ige. He took down Ricardo Lamas. He took down, you know, Darren Elkins four times before losing one of the most ridiculous come-from-behind losses in history. Like, he's a really great takedown artist. So, we're talking about, with that percentage, mostly old fights in a fight against an absolute animal of a takedown artist. And I just don't think Tapuria is that same kind of animal. All right, well, we'll find out. I'm going to go with Tapiria, and that'll make things interesting. We'll have at least one, one different, uh, different choice here. So, um, before we finish off the prelims, let's tell you about Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. If you want to play NFL, you choose 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. If you want to play NBA, which is actually shockingly starting again in a couple weeks, um, PGA, MLB, esports, you choose five out of the 10 available player props and build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to share to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $50,000 in guaranteed prizes weekly and has awarded over $1.6 million in cash prizes. So use the promo code SGP. When you sign up today and you will receive an instant match up to $50 in your first deposit with four times rollover. So download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today and don't forget our code, which would be SGP. Okay, moving on to the next fight. Uh, Flyweight, Jimmy Flick, Cody Durden. I always love watching flyweights, so I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, This will be Flick's debut in the in the big cage under the bright lights of the of the UFC. Um, He's got an inch of reach on Durden. Uh, Other than that, they're basically similar sizes. Durden's a year a year younger than him, so um, pretty evenly matched in in uh, in in size and and age. Uh, Like I said, this is Flick's debut. Um, he's coming off the contender series, which uh, he got himself into into the the big show with. Uh, he's got 15 wins, 13 of them via sub. So he's definitely a um, a submission specialist. Uh, he's won three straight fights, all via sub. Um, Durden has a draw to his name um, in the UFC. Um, so both these guys are, are inexperienced. Um, Flick minus 190 favorite. Uh, Durden plus 155. I will be going with the jujitsu ace in Flick. Yeah, I'm going to go with Flick too here. And, and for what, like you just said, he's a jujitsu ace and he's fighting a guy who he, he's got some decent striking in Cody Durden, but it, more than likely his avenue to win most of his fights has been his takedowns uh, and has been his top game and has been his ground and pound. And Jimmy Flick is just a guy who you don't want to shoot on because his scrambles are ridiculous. His ability to put you in bad positions off of any grappling exchange are, are incredible. Um, if you didn't see his contender series fight, you're doing yourself a disservice because his submission attempt after submission attempt after submission attempt on Nate Smith was just so fun to watch. So uh, I expect him to probably wind up in some interesting grappling exchanges again here with Durden. I don't know if I like him by submission just because Durden is so tough, but I do expect him to be threatening him almost the entire fight. So there you go. We uh, share our um, share our pick on that one. Uh, moving on, this is not a, a newcomer to the UFC. Um, in our next battle, it, would, it is in the 
lightweight uh, division, handsome Matt Wyman, who started way back in 2006 uh, in the UFC. And then um, November 2014, he fought, and then he disappeared, basically, off the map for five years. Uh, came back um, June 22nd, 2019. Um, got TKO by Luis Pena, and then he lost um, last December to Joe Selecki. So they're feeding him a... Steady, steady stream of, of young up-and-comers, and that, that um, is no different this this week as he's fighting, uh, what's the gentleman's name, Chuck Levitt, I believe? No, Jordan Levitt, I'm sorry, Jordan Levitt. Um, now, Wyman uh, will be an inch taller, but, but that's it. Um, his his younger foe, 12 years younger, so that's a huge a huge advantage in his, his favor. He's got three inches of reach on Wyman. Um, he's 7-0 in his young MMA career, five submissions, uh, he's another uh, um, guy off the Contender Series. Um, he's a large minus 360 favorite over Wyman's plus 285. Uh, handsome Matt does not look so hot since he's come back, so I will definitely not be picking him in this one. Yeah, and, and the odds are pretty big here, and I don't love betting odds that are as big for a newcomer who's only 7-0 and and hasn't faced the best competition in, in Levitt here, but like, even with the odds where they are, I have no interest in betting Matt Wyman either. So if I'm picking somebody, gun to my head, obviously Jordan Levitt is the obvious pick here. But I would probably be searching for a prop here on him finishing this fight because he does finish a lot of fights. He's got great submission skills. If you saw him on the Contender Series with that arm triangle finish over Luke Flores, like he's he's very skilled on the ground. But that being said, like he needs to get it there. He needs to control him there. He needs to finish a guy like Matt Wyman. Who, who's not easy to finish with a submission. He's a guy who, you know, hasn't been submitted, and granted, he hasn't been fighting in, in quite a while either, but he hasn't been finished in the UFC by a submission. So, like, we're, we're looking at a pretty tough finish here. So maybe you're looking for a finish prop. Maybe you're looking for a decision prop. But, like, that's the only way I'm betting this fight. But I am taking Jordan Levitt. Yeah, these, like you said, odds that high on a on a newcomer, you really don't know uh, how these guys are going to do uh, until they actually step in the cage. And a lot of times, you don't see th- their best performance in their in their debuts as it is. Um, yeah, as for Wyman, um, checking, he's never been submitted, um, so that's maybe something. Um, maybe it's it's the first time ever this week, or it might be something like you said. You, you may want to. To shy away from this one, or or use it to, to build up a build up a parlay bet. Um, as of now, our headlining prelims is uh, our heavyweights. Um, actually, two former light heavyweights who basically are just tired of cutting weight. It seems, and and they've decided to move move up to heavyweight. Um, not looking so hot either, uh, especially John Volante. Um, he's quite shall we say soft at at heavyweight um he's he's dropped his last two fights he's only two and five over his his last seven so two wins over his last seven fights um minus 220 favorite in this one he has the striking stat advantage over jake collier um collier's got two inches of reach on him three years younger um grappling stats in his favor he's a kind of sizable plus 180 180 dog in this one but i'm actually going to take him as as one of my dogs because uh Volante has just looked uh, like a shell of himself, a very a large, large shell of himself uh, since he since he he decided he didn't want to cut weight anymore. Yeah, I don't think Collier is all that different, and if anything, no. I actually think Collier might be a little bit worse because you got to remember, I think Collier fought at 85 at a certain point in his career too. Like I, I think he was in the UFC originally at 85. He moved up to 05. Then we saw that long layoff, and he returned looking. All of 265. So, like, yes. Yeah, I'm like worried about both of their shapes. But to be honest with you, I actually love Jean Volante in this fight because while Jean Volante did look like, you know, like you said, a very big shell of himself <laughs> and he didn't look very good physically, I will say he almost beat Maurice Green in his last fight. Like, he fought Maurice Green, who is a monster heavyweight. The dude's six foot eight. And, like, he, he took it to him. I think he was going to win that decision if he didn't get subbed in the most awkward submission on the ground from his back that I've ever seen somebody throw up and, and Maurice Green winds up hitting it. But, like, I, I don't think he has to worry about being the guy who's more tired in this fight, which is an advantage, right? Like, he was clearly more tired than Maurice Green, and he was still winning. 
And in this one, I just think he's probably in better shape than Jake Collier, which is sad to say. But, like, <laughs> I, I think that even negative 220 here, there's probably some value on Volante because I think he's probably going to wear out Collier. And, man, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I think he'll be the fresher fighter late in the fight. <laughs> Boy, that's, yeah, we're we're, uh, we're in troubling times when you make that statement. Um, it, it should be a, a, a sloppy slugfest, that's for sure. Um that is uh, that is our headline um, main event, so to speak, on the prelims, which will be on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Before we move on to the main card, let's tell you about our last uh, last sponsor here, Ace Per Head. Ever thought of starting your own sportsbook but don't know how? Ace Per Head is here to help you start your own sportsbook. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace Per Head offers live betting and an amazing mobile experience. Get started today, and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. So go to aceperhead.com slash SGP, aceperhead.com slash SGP. All right, moving on to the main card as we speak in very light pencil, because like I said, this will probably change 100 times uh, before fight, fight night comes around. Um, this will also be on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, as of now, but it might get moved. Like last uh, last week's card got moved to to the B. Once it got uh, diluted until so it wasn't a, a big name card anymore. They decided to move it to to big ESPN for some reason. But nonetheless, uh, we start off with a featherweight fight: uh, Mavsar Evlev, Evloyev, uh, and Nate Landwehr. Um, our friend Mavsar is a perfect 13 and 0 in his uh, pro MMA career and a perfect 3 and 0 in the UFC. Um, he's six years younger than his opponent, uh, got grappling stats in his favor, and he's a massive 550 favorite. Um, Landweir, uh, a little bit taller, two inches taller. Uh, he's one one in the UFC and a big 375 dog. Um, I'm going with, with the favorite, but I'm not liking those odds. I, I'm not loving those odds either, mostly because, you know, anything around negative 400 with, with guys who have roughly the same records and roughly the same, you know, Pass to here. I mean, both of them were M1 featherweight champions. They just never had to defend against one another. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably staying away from this one as a, a better. But if I'm picking somebody, I'm definitely picking Evloev. I think, you know, he's shown that he's got it on the feet. When he chooses to be the one to wrestle, he's actually got good wrestling. He's hard to hold down, um, which he showed against Mike Grundy. Mike Grundy took him down a bunch of times. I don't see Landwehr going for any takedowns here. I see him trying to slug it out with him. Um, and I, I just don't see that going all that well because, let's face it, Landwehr slugged it out with Darren Elkins and barely won that decision. A lot of people think he lost that decision, um, although the judges disagreed. And, like, so he slugged it out with Darren Elkins, who is not a striker. Uh, and, and Elkins stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. So we're looking at Evloev, who I think is definitely more polished, could probably mix in the wrestling if he's getting into trouble. I just think he's got more paths to picking up those rounds and route to a decision here. Well, there we go. Uh, um, moving on to light heavyweights, Roman Dolidzi. Is that how you say his name? Dolidzi. Dolidzi. All right. He, he will be fighting the returning John Allen. Um, Allen uh, got busted um, for, for cheating. Uh, so he was on a uh, drug suspension since the summer of 2019. Um he is an inch taller than his opponent. His opponent's got an inch reach, so that's pretty much a wash there. Dolidzi is 7-0 as a pro and another undefeated dude on this card. We got a lot of lows. 1-0 uh, in the UFC. Um, quite diverse um, diverse uh, fighter here. He's got four knockouts, three submissions, so he's got all all finishes, but pretty much uh, he, he can he can knock you out or, or choke you out. Um, he's got striking stats in his favor. He's a minus 160 Favorite, um, Allen's got grappling stats in his favor. He's a plus 130 dog. Um, I am going with the favorite. Uh, you never know how, how someone's going to look. Supposedly off, off of the off of the special sauce at this point since he uh, got busted for it, and he hasn't fought in almost a year and a half. Yeah, and, and I'm all in on Delizzi, too. I, I think he looked phenomenal in his debut. And he's looked good on the regional circuit, too. I mean, granted, the, the level of opponent he's fighting, not so great. But the, you mentioned those submission wins. Two of those are first-minute heel hook finishes, which is uh, pretty damn impressive to get in MMA. 
he hasn't been going too much to the grappling lately because he is so powerful on the feet. And like you said, you got to be worried about the fact that John Allen is just the type of guy who's coming off of, you know, not something for over a year and is a guy who, you know, went to decision with Mike Rodriguez, which, you know, not, not that that's a bad thing, but like, we're talking about a guy with absolute dynamite in his hands against him. And now he's off the sauce. I, I just think this is a pretty easy one for Delizzi here. Um, and I would probably look for uh, this fight does not go the distance prop here too. Cause I think Delizzi probably knocks him out pretty easily. Okay, so minus 160 is looking looking a little low for you then? You're, you're I, I think it's it's looking very low. And as I'll sort of mention at the end of this fight too, is that I, I or at the end of this uh, main card, is I've got him in a whole bunch of parlays here. I, I think he's a great starter for the parlays because he's down, like you said, down in that one, anywhere near 160, 170, even if he, he starts to trend upwards by the time this hits your ears. Like, I still think Delizzi is a great person that's shoving a parlay for that. All right, awesome. So we're shoving the leads into parlays. Perfect. Um, finally, the, the women get some love on this card. Um, basically, the only female fight on of the night as at this point is a women's flyweight belt. Montana De La Rosa uh, stepped in short notice against uh, Taylor Santos. Um, as for uh, De La Rosa, like I said, short notice, which is um, which is not not doing uh, anybody any favors this year in the UFC. Short notice fighters are only winning about a third of their fights. So that's something to keep in mind when you're betting on betting on this one. Uh, she'll be an inch taller, um, two years younger than Santos. Uh, she's four and two in the UFC, but only one and two over her last last three fights. So she started off uh, pretty hot in in the uh, in the octagon, but but. Uh, but hasn't hasn't looked so hot as of late as the competition's ramped up a bit. Uh, she's a plus 180 dog in this one. Santos, uh, 16 and one in the uh, as a pro with 10 knockouts. So uh, she is a uh, is a monster in there. Uh, one and one in the UFC. Uh, Strikely and grappling stats in her favor. Minus 220 favorite. Who you got, Daniel? I'm going to go with De La Rosa in this one. Um, oh. I, I like the underdog in this one for a couple of reasons. Talia Santos, if you look at her record, you're right. She, she's got a ton of knockouts on there. She actually looked good grappling Molly McCann in her last fight. But, I mean, go back. She got outgrappled by Mara Romero Barella, which some of you might not know that name off the top of your head. But she's an awful grappler. She's downright awful grappler. And I don't mean to be mean about that, but she has... She had four straight losses in the UFC, and each one of them was her being... Well, first of all, she got badly knocked out by Lauren Murphy, which there's certainly no shame in. Then she got grappled up by Montana De La Rosa, the the, the same one who's fighting Talia Santos here. And then she got submitted back-to-back fights by Courtney Casey and Mara Buena Silva. So we're talking about somebody who got knocked out viciously and submitted three times. But before that, she outworked Talia Santos on the ground, which to me is a bad sign for Talia Santos. Yes, she she then rebounded and looked decent grappling against Molly McCann. But Molly McCann, again, she's a boxer. She's a British boxer. So we're looking at Montana De La Rosa, somebody who's got a fair submission game here, somebody who's, you know, gone to work on the ground quite a bit in her UFC career against somebody whose lone loss on her record was looking very bad grappling against somebody who's not a good grappler. So with that being said, I, I like Montana De La Rosa here as an underdog, and I think she could probably get it done on the ground. All right. Well, I uh, I'm picking Santos, but I'm not so confident now that I uh, I hear your breakdown because uh, yeah, De La Rosa does uh, does look very good on the ground. So if it does go there, uh, I could be in trouble. But but I'm not changing my bet. Forget that. Um, so we'll go to our co-main event. Um, we got light heavyweights, so Obint St. Pru, um, back to light heavyweight the past few fights after a uh, brief one-fight stand-up at heavyweight. He'll be fighting uh, Jamahal Hill, who is another undefeated fighter. He's 7-0. and uh, He's got one no contest. That's the only blemish on his record. Uh, 2-0 and since um, coming under the right lights of the UFC. Um, He'll be an inch taller, but OSP's got an inch of reach, so they're basically the same size. Um, but Hill is much younger, eight years younger, over over the veteran fighter. Um, his striking uh, has looked 
quite impressive uh, since he's been fighting in the UFC. He uh, outstrikes his opponent uh, basically at eight, eight to three, um, eight to three marks. So basically, every eight punches or, or kicks or knees or elbows he lands in his opponent, he only absorbs three. So that's you don't usually see strike differentials that high. That's pretty crazy. Um, he's a minus one eighty favorite in this one. Uh, OSP has the grappling advantage and he has some crazy crazy submissions. So you can't can't take. Um, and take that out of the equation. He, he could always pull off a submission. He's uh, two and one over his last three fights, but he's only won two of his last five. Uh, he is a plus 150 dog. I'm going with the undefeated, um, undefeated favorite in this one. Um, are you on my side, Dan? I I have been back and forth on this one a lot. I'm not certain that I am on your side in this one. And, and I'm gonna be honest, as even as you were just reading that, I don't think I have made my decision yet. I would probably change it by tomorrow. Um, but I think I'm going to go with OSP here. I just, I haven't been impressed with the level of competition that a, that Hill has faced. And, and it's largely because, like, you, and that, that's not a good reason to pick against anybody, but, like, the guys he's fought have not looked good at all, you know, against against top-level competition. You you look at, you know, he's coming off of that knockout win over uh, Clinton Abreu. Clinton Abreu just got, you know, taken down and beat up by uh, Shamil Gosmatov and like had the most boring fight in history against Sam Elvey because they just kind of stood there and looked at each other for 15 minutes and got absolutely brutalized by Magomed Ankyalev. And I'm guessing that loss to Jamal Hill probably got him fired from the UFC. I don't know if we'll see him again. Then, you know, he's got a win over Darko Stoizic, which went to decision. Uh, and Darko Stoizic is a guy who won his UFC debut and then lost three straight he's probably out of the UFC. So he's like fighting guys who are mostly not UFC caliber. And don't get me wrong, he's looked pretty good, but he wasn't able to get Stoizic out of there. You know, he did he did finish Abreu with a knee to the body. He's fighting Ovin St. Pru, a guy who I think probably could take him down a bunch if he wanted to. He's a guy, like you said, he's got crazy submission skills. He submitted Tyson Pedro with a straight arm lock. He's got 150 Von Flew chokes in his career. People forget that he knocked out Corey Anderson. You know, he's coming off that win over Alonzo Menefield, who's who's like a big, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in Alonzo Menefield. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. I think OSP is probably hugely underrated in this fight. Um, the, the odds not making him a huge underdog, but I wouldn't be surprised to see money keep coming in on Hill. Um, but I like Ovin St. Pru in this fight at the moment. Obviously, that could change. But being that it's so close to a coin flip, too, I think you always got to lean to the underdog. No, that's, that's good points. And OSP seems to be a guy that um, everyone constantly is, is writing off and, and forgetting about. And he he tends to tends to surprise us. And he's, he's fought the best of the best uh, in in the division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, people forget he did fight John Jones for a wacky interim title that we, we we completely, you know, know that was a farce just so that they could give him the title back. But he's also fought Dominic Pace, Nikita Krylov, Ilir Latifi, like, Volkan Ozdemir, Jimmy Manawa, like, Glover Teixeira. Like, these, these are the names on this dude's record. He's got a win over Shogun. Like, you know, he, he's got an amazing record in a really long time in the UFC. And, and like... You know, he fights long. That's another thing that, that definitely Hill is not seen. Like, if you look back at Hill's law, or, uh, two wins, you know, Clinton Abreu does not fight long if he throws punches at all. And, and you know, to, to add into that Darko Stoizic, who's who's built like a Ninja Turtle, like, th- there's no way he's used to fighting somebody who's as long as him, um, which, I mean, he's going to have to here, right? Like, Jamal Hill's reach, 79 inches. Ovin St. Preux's reach. It's got to be the same thing. Hang on, I got it right yeah. here. Yeah, 80 reach inches. He's, he's yeah, actually he's got, got the advantage. Yep. J- Jamal Hill has never faced somebody who's got a, a length advantage on him. And if he has, it, it hasn't been somebody at this level. Right. Very good point. So we will differ on that one also, but um, I, I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't doubt OSP because I've, I've picked him as an underdog a few times recently, and he's, he's come through for me, but. I'm going to anyhow. Uh, don't learn. Uh, our main event, we got Jack the Joker Hermanson. He, he's been basically the only steady uh, person in this in this main event over over the past few weeks. Uh, like I said uh, near the top, this this is uh, been a slew of of opponents uh, penciled in and, and then erased. Um, 
to, to face him, he would be going against the Italian dream, Marvin Vittori. Um, like it's a short notice fight for Vittori, so that's uh, a red flag right there. Uh, he is five years younger than his opponent. Um, grappling stats look like they're in his favor. He's won three straight fights, and impressively, he's never been finished uh, in a fight in, in his career. Um, these the odds are not on my bookie as of as of this recording. Uh, I found them elsewhere. Um, Vittori is currently at minus 105. Uh, Hermanson. A little bit bigger than his Italian opponent. He's got an inch of height, three inches of reach. Uh, striking definitely in his favor. He outstrikes his opponents uh, at, at two times rate. So he lands two for every one, um, which is which is very nice, a nice ratio. Um, he's he's been on uh, on fire. He's he's five one over his last six fights. Uh, he's won 21 fights as a pro, 11 of them via knockout, six of them via submissions. So, uh, a very good finisher and very diverse uh, diverse attack. Uh, he's at minus 115. I will be taking him, but these are these are very very close odds for this fight. Yeah, and, and I'm sort of surprised to see them coming as close they were. Hermanson was a huge favorite over Holland. I don't remember where the line was on Till, but I know he was like you know negative 220 range against Holland, which made sense because he was just gonna take Kevin Holland down and submit him. Like the, there's no doubt about it. Like he he took down Jacare and and worked Jacare on the ground and Jacare is a phenomenal grappler. And Kevin Holland just like kind of has that, that I'm going to stand up and throw with you. If you try to take me down, it's going to work. And then maybe I'll work back to my feet. And he wasn't going to do that against Hermanson. It's weird here. Cause Vittori definitely is a guy who's going to stuff more takedowns. He's definitely a guy who's difficult to take down. He has good takedowns in his own right, but I worry a little bit about it. Cause he does have that loss and granted it was a long time ago. He does have that loss to Antonio Carlos Jr., who who sort of just was relentless with his takedowns and eventually got it to, to enough of them to take that he won a decision. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's a weird fight for me, but I think I'm going to go with Hermanson, too. As long as, as long as he can get it to the ground once or twice, I think that that's probably enough to beat Vittori here. But it, the, the odds being a coin flip definitely make a lot of sense in this one. It is very hard to call. Right, so are you, are you liking this matchup uh, for a, a viewing um, experience more than the last one? I, I actually think that this is going to be more fun to view because it is going to be a back-and-forth fight. Um, yep. But I will say that this does have the potential, and I'm not saying it's going to, but it has the potential to be an absolute stinker, like a one-sided stinker. Like if, if Hermanson does what he did um, when he lost to Jared Cannonier. He shoots a takedown and it doesn't work. He shoots a takedown and it doesn't work. He shoots a takedown and it doesn't work. Vittori is just going to hit him with enough leg kicks and enough shots to win every round. And yep. and, and he's probably not going to like sell out looking for the finish because that's not really Vittori's style. Vittori doesn't like just put it all on the line looking to kill him. You know, like, he won a very comfortable striking decision against Andrew Sanchez where he did a lot of what I just said. He stuffed the takedowns and he hit him with leg kicks. He stuffed the takedown and he hit him with a couple of jabs and he stuffed the takedown and, you know, he got him in the clinch and threw some knees. And like, I could see that that happening in this fight and being kind of boring. It was never going to be boring with Kevin Holland because Kevin Holland no. fights just aren't ever boring. <laughs> but I would say it was probably going to be quick. Um, right. I, I, so I think if you, if you like those quick fights, that one was going to be more exciting for you. This one has definitely got more of a question mark, which is more exciting for me, but we do have a potential to see 25 minutes of maybe not the most exciting foregone conclusion that we can decide. After seeing one round, we're like, oh, we know how the next 20 minutes is going to go. We can just turn it off. Um, there's a there's a pretty decent potential to that, but as I said before, I, I'm guessing he gets enough takedowns to win in a couple of rounds and maybe make it interesting with some sub skills. But, um, yeah, so it could go either way is, is the kind of non-answer I'm going to give you. Oh, perfect. That's why they call him Gumby. He's very flex flexible with his opinions. <laughs> he's, he's flipping and flopping. Um, so th that that com completes the, the full card. Um, now, we'll talk about some – we've hinted at, at a few throughout um, throughout our telecast here at uh, at some parlays and stuff. Um are we going to agree that Delizzi is probably the the best value pick at this point at minus 160 on the, uh, on the night? 
I think he is for sure the best value pick, and he's a great person to pair in there with somebody else you think might be um, a, a good favorite, but maybe a little bit too high to play on their own. Like if you're really in on Jordan Levitt, like I said before, I just don't like the price tag on him at negative, you know, 400. I think he's hovering around, you know, if he's hovering around that number, I'm not paying for him at negative 400, but pairing, pairing him with Delizzi at least makes it interesting. And also Delizzi would be a great way to add some value to somebody like Jimmy Flick or I mentioned John Volante. I know you're picking against me on that one. I actually like John Volante in a parlay too. Negative 220 with John Volante. Uh, you know, pair that with the, you know, negative 170 or 160. I said, I believe you said we could get um, Delizzi at. And, yep. and we're looking at, we're looking at like plus 135, plus 140 in that range, depending on the, the parlay. So I think he's probably a good value to put with Delizzi. That's probably going to be my official parlay on this one. All right, good, excellent. So there we there we have it. We made it through another another week. Um, hopefully, we're going to make you some some money this time. Uh, make sure you let us know on Twitter if we made you money. If we lost you money, then I don't want to hear from you. But if we made you money, you can by all means uh, uh, let me know. I'm at Jeff Fox Writer. Um, you want to follow Dan for some weird reason? He's at Gumby Vreeland. Um, my call to action last week did not do me very, <laughs> very well. And now that I'm checking our Twitter um, followers, I told everyone to follow me and, and unfollow Dan. And I, you must have misheard me and you know, did the opposite. I, I'm down. I'm, down um, I'm from eight. I went from eight ninety eight eighty nine. And Dan somehow has gone from two twenty nine ninety eight up to over three thousand three thousand twenty four. So either you. People are messing with me, or we we got a Russian bot issue, or there's a, bu- a bunch of porn sites are following Dan. But but um, yeah, it's let's try to get me at least over 900 this week, and let's get Dan under 3,000. <laughs> I I don't support that, but I do appreciate the like 30 some odd people who must have followed me in in direct opposition to your call to arms. It's true. Maybe I came off a little too strong. That could be the case. So um, I'll say please have a please this week. Um, I don't like to beg, but but I'm, I'm not above it. That's for sure. So all right. That concludes um, week four. Uh, we will be back next week to tell you where um, fighters uh, led us astray and, and where all our picks went wrong. Or, or we'll come back and tell you we went 10 and 0. So regardless, um, thank you for listening, and we will hit you up next week. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.